blessings, blessings, blessings. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. We choose to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm here with my favorite girl, Lady Irene T. McGee. How you doing, sweetie? I am truly doing wonderful. How you doing, honey? I'm super fantastic. Amen. You God is by good. Me. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you guys for being with us on today. Got a couple of announcements uh, for you all. If you could share with us, sweetie, some of the things that we got coming up. Of course, you guys know today. Um, is that 1 o'clock today? From 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock on today. 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock. You know what we got planned for you guys. Special right here um, at the North location. Looking forward to seeing you. Just kind of driving by and saying hello. A um, couple of other things we got coming up. Um, on, on today... Uh, by midnight on tonight, we'd ask that you would submit to the church email address a picture of you if you're a mother and your children or just you by yourself. Um, if you're a mother of an angel, we still want to include you in the celebration that we're going to do for Mother's Day. So please make sure that you submit your pictures. We don't want to leave anybody out. I don't want to go on Facebook and look for the wrong picture and have you mad at me. So please submit your picture. I've had some beautiful pictures uh, coming in so far. So we want to make sure that we include you. And coming up on May the 9th, that's Saturday, May the 9th, we're going to have a drive-by just for our mothers. Uh, you know, every year we present our mothers with, with nice gifts, and on this year, there's not yes. going to be any different. So on May the 9th, we'll have a drive-by on that day. More information for the time uh, will be uh, announced later, but on May the 9th, we're going to do our drive-by for the mothers to come by and to pick up their gifts. A couple of weeks later, on yeah, May the 24th... Let me just say that I like the way you said mothers of angels. Um, because many of you guys may not know, we actually have six children, not just five. Uh, we lost our first son, Robert, um, years, years ago, and um, we still honor him. That is my boy, Steel, and there are many of you all, uh, some of you guys that have lost children, and there are some of you guys, the only child you had was the one that you lost. Well, you're still, you're still a mother, and we want to celebrate you, and we want to honor you as well. Amen? Amen. And then on May the 24th, we're going to honor all of our graduates. I'm going to need the pictures of your graduate. I'm going to need uh, all of those things. We're going to have a cookout right here on the grounds. Um, we're going to have a parade for our graduates. That's going to be on Sunday, May the 24th, that afternoon after service is over. And so we're going to give them their gifts that they would normally receive. We're going to have a parade and celebrate them, have signs for your family, your children. We're going to keep it safe. We're going to practice social distancing. Our children uh, are going to be Seth, but we're going to celebrate the accomplishments that they have made over the last few years. So if you have a kindergarten, a Head Start preschool graduate, an elementary graduate, a middle school going into high school, if you're a high school graduate or a college graduate, you're going to submit your information to the church website as well. And we're going to be sending out a, a link for you to fill out on this week uh, for you to send your information in so that we can get started on that as soon as Mother's Day is over. We'll have all those things ready as well. So we're just super excited. We're going to stay connected the best way that we can and still practice social distancing. We just want you at EMCC to know that we're praying for you, that we love you, and that we miss you in Jesus' name. Absolutely. And speaking of a graduate, I think we have a graduate as we well. We do. We do. We have a graduate. I guess the boy's going to graduate. I don't know. Congratulations to my son, Greg Stephen McGee Jr. Yeah. Um, he would be walking the stage, but nevertheless, I think they're going to do something special where they'll still get an opportunity to walk the stage. Yes. And uh, so we're going to be celebrating. We want you to celebrate as well uh, with your graduate, be, graduate, be it kindergarten graduate, uh, middle school graduate, high school, college, so forth. Uh, send in that information because we want to we wanna celebrate with you. 
Amen. God bless y'all. I hope y'all enjoy the word on today. Amen. Hey, where you going? You I know, thought I was done. You going to preach? No, I ain't preaching today. <laughs> oh, my I might preach Mother's Day, but I ain't preaching <laughs> like today. Y'all uh, heard that. She said she, she might I said preach Mother's Now, I'm, I'm telling you right now, whether she preaches on Mother's Day or not is going to be totally on her. I'm putting the ball in your court. So if on Mother's Day, if you hear me, if you see me stand up here and say, this is my Bible, you will know it's because she said I don't want to do it. I would never tell God I don't want to do it. You'll just tell your husband and your pastor. <laughs> I might give you a little grief in the process of getting She'd ready to do it. give me a lot it. of grief in the process. But I don't ever tell Absolutely. God I'm not going to yeah, do something. I love you too. That's my girl. The Bible tells us to be ready in season and out of season. That's yeah. what I try to Go do. Go get ready. Go study right now. Amen. 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 Love you guys so much. Super excited about what it is that God has downloaded in my spirit on today. Going to be in the book of Nehemiah, uh, chapter number two, verses number one. Um, let's make our, our declaration of faith. If you have your Bible or your electronic device lifted above your head and shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. How many of you guys believe it? How many of you guys receive that on today? Going to be in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number two, verses number one. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. Now that's, that, that phrase there is key in this particular text. Nehemiah said, I was very much afraid. Verse number three declares, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Father, now in Jesus' mighty name, I want to thank you for an opportunity to share uh, the word of God with the people of God. Now, God, hiding myself behind the cross that men may not see, give honor, glory to Greg. But all honor and all glory goes to you, Jesus. I'm not here to build a reputation or a name. For myself but God ultimately I want to lift up your name father and I pray father that in this this hour this hour God that you would be glorified that you would be lifted up and it is in Jesus's mighty name we pray amen amen type amen right there um, on last week we began a new series of thoughts simply entitled a prayer burden and this particular message that God has downloaded in my spirit has been uh, very transformative in the past couple of, couple of weeks that I've been meditating on it. Um, we defined it a prayer burden as a spiritual concern on the heart of God that is impart, imparted by the Holy Spirit to someone whose intercession the Holy Spirit desires to use. I want to go on and add to that definition. At time, God clues us into a prayer need through heaviness in our spirits or a feeling of being grieved. Uh, one of the writers that, that I quote, he says, this, this is like a pain on the inside, but not physical. 
when we think about certain people, something on the inside is grieved or pained. And as I, as I read that particular, that particular quote a couple of days ago, um, it reminded me years ago, I remember maybe around uh, 10 or 11 years old, I used to feel this grief on the inside. Sometimes when I would look at somebody, um, it could be just a, a great day, a fabulous day, nothing at all is wrong, but sometimes I'll look at somebody or I'll think, think about somebody and it's like this sadness would, would come over me, and I couldn't explain it. And being a young in the faith, oftentimes I'd just try to dismiss it, try, try to just wish it away, sometimes even pray it away. It wasn't until later on into my walk with God that he revealed to me that I'm actually putting a burden on your heart. There's something that I want you to pray about. So when you saw that particular person's face, when you saw that individual, I, 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 you, you didn't just become depressed. And as, of course, when I got a little older, I thought that's what I was dealing with. I thought I was dealing with depression until God again started teaching me that, no, I'm giving you a prayer burden. In essence, I am allowing your heart to be broken with the very thing that my heart is broken with. And when your heart is broken, you'll rise up to the occasion. This is what he wanted me to do, and this is what he's wanting some of you guys to do, to rise to the occasion, to intercede on the behalf of the issue that I've laid on your heart. We quoted in Luke chapter number 11, verses number 2, the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray, as John also taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus, he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Now, this is powerful. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Your, let your will be done in, in the earth as it is in heaven. Understand, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, this wasn't just a recommendation. This, this wasn't them just, just him just teaching them how to plead and beg God for something. But in all actuality, right in the middle of the prayer, he highlights something about us th th that we should realize when we pray, as well as the, the disciples. And, and if you're taking notes, jot this, jot this thought down. Prayer is the vehicle that God uses to release change from the spiritual realm into our natural world. Now understand that there are two worlds that we live in. There's a natural world that you can see with your natural eyes, and then there's a realm within the spirit that you can only see and perceive with your spirit man. And understand the things that happen in the natural realm are infect, affected or impacted by things that happen in the spiritual realm. God lives in the spiritual realm, but not only does God live in the spiritual realm, demons live in the spiritual realm, and there are certain activity in the the demonic invisible realm that are impacting our generation now in the visible realm. By the same token, there are some things that God has in store for us. We quote it where the Bible declares, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have it entered into the hearts of man. The things that God has prepared, there are some things that God has prepared for us in the spirit realm that he wants to manifest on the earth. Now understand that we are the vehicle, we are, we're the catalytic converting, that's right, that God wants to use to, to get the stuff out of the spirit realm to make it manifest in the natural realm. By the same token, there are some demonic things that are going on in the spiritual realm that are having impact on the natural realm. And when we intercede, we're not just begging God, but in all actuality, we are literally partnering with God. When we intercede, we have the ability to break some stuff in the spiritual realm. And when we break the powers of the enemy, come on somebody, in the spiritual realm, we will see change in the natural realm. Again, if you're taking notes, jot that down. Prayer 
is the vehicle that God uses to release change from the spiritual realm into our natural world. Now, now understand that the text here that we're dealing with, this brother by the name of Nehemiah, and, and this is what I want to do. I want to slow all the way down because really I don't want to preach. Really, this is not just a, a teach word. I really want to have a conversation with you guys because there's something, even talking about a prayer burden, there's some things that God has burdened my heart with that I think is going to be very, very impactful for your, your Christian journey. In Nehemiah chapter number one, verses number two, the Bible declares, Hananiah, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men. I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. I wanted to know the people that we left there in Jerusalem, how were they doing and how was the city, the place of God's dwelling, how was it doing? Verse number three, he gets the report of how the people are doing. The Bible declares, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Verse 4 is crazy. The Bible declares, when I heard this, Nehemiah says, when I heard, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. When, when, I, when I heard, my God, when, when I heard what was going on with the people of God, when I heard what was going on with the house of God, I sat down and I wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What's, what's happening in Nehemiah's life right now? He is literally receiving a prayer burden. In essence, his heart is now broken with the very thing that God's heart is broken with. Understand, God had been looking at his people. He had been looking at his place, his habitation of dwelling in the earthly realm. And his heart was saddened because it was in disarray. It, the land was desolate. And God says that I got to do something. The same scripture that we read in Ezekiel 22, when God says that I look for a man to stand in the gap to make up the head. God, he's in the, God is in the same predicament right now in this text. And I believe he's in, in the same predicament. Maybe in your life right now, he's looking at an area in your life or somebody's in your life and he's saying that my heart is broken because of what they're going through my my heart is aching because where they are right now so this is what I need to do let me put this burden on your heart so you can feel what I feel and and this is what Nehemiah does Nehemiah responds to the burden that God puts on his heart he immediately goes into prayer and I want to highlight some of the components of Nehemiah's prayer because these are some of the same things that you and I my friend that we need to be praying today verses number five declares then I said Lord the God of heaven the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments six declares let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants the people of Israel now that's powerful right there because he says that I'm let's let's put let's look at the entire story Nehemiah hears the information, he's saddened in his heart, he weeps, and he goes into prayer. If we stop right there at verses number three and four, it just looks like he heard bad news and then he prayed. But verse six tells us that, that, that prayer continues day and night. And the prayer is not for himself alone, but he says, I'm praying for your servants, the people of Israel. He goes on to say, I confess the sins of the Israelites, including myself, and my father's family have committed against you. And that's so powerful because sometimes, even, even myself, there are times when I'm realizing that I might be reaping the consequences of seeds that I have sown. And sometimes there's a tendency to look at what other people have done and overlook your own fault. He says, God, I messed up. Not only did the people mess up, not only did my fathers and forefathers mess up, but God, I'm confessing my sins as well. 
Verses 7 declares, we have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. He says, remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. Man, this is powerful. 9 says, but if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, horizon I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. He prays and he says, I know what the word says. The word says that if we sow certain seeds that we're going to reap a negative harvest. But the word also says, verse number nine, if we return, if, if we return to you, God, you'll return to us. That's so powerful. But verse number 11 is where I want to hang my hat, man, because when I, as I was reading through this story on last week, um, I, I thought I was just going to talk about a prayer burden um, because that's the initial theme that God gave me. And of course, we're going to stay in that vein. But there's something else that jumped out at me as I was reading through the story of Nehemiah, verses number 11. And I want you to pay attention to this because this, what, what I'm getting ready to share with you guys, and I'm going to be transparent about some things in my own personal life. What I'm getting ready to share with you guys ha have been the things that have either made or broken success in my life. The areas that I've been very successful, the areas in my life where I, I'm talking about where, where, where I have, I've surpassed my own expectations of what I thought was possible through me. I'm getting ready to show you the secret sauce to some of the success, but by the same token, I'm, already get, I'm also getting ready to show you some of the, the reasons in the past where I've fallen short of, of God's glory concerning my life. Verses number 11, he prays, and he goes on and says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. The final thing that he prays, he says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of, watch this, this man. I was, I was a cupbearer to the king. So on last week, we said whenever you receive a burden, there's four things that you need to be, you need to do. Number one, give immediate attention to it. Uh, go ahead and start praying right then. Uh, number two, focus only on that particular prayer burden. So if God burdens my heart with something, there's no need to pray for other needs or other necessities in my life. I'm going to only focus on what it is that God has placed in my heart. Number three, pray until the burden lifts. Stay, stay right there. And pray until God lifts that thing off of you. If something comes up, you got an emergency, you got to run somewhere, it's okay. When you finish taking care, handling that business, go back into your prayer closet and continue to pray until God lifts that burden. Number four, if possible, enlist the prayers of other people, other individuals. It's not always possible because sometimes God puts something on your heart that's only for you. But if God allows you to include other intercessors, you can do that. But he here's the challenge today. God places a burden on your heart, and he wants you to pray. He wants you to intercede. But what if God wants you to do more than pray? Initially, there have been things in my life that I felt burdens for, and I prayed for change. But then God informed me that I wanted you to do more than just pray for change. I wanted you yourself to become the agent of change. And that's what happens in Nehemiah's life. God, I'm getting ahead of myself. He prays for change in Jerusalem, but the burden is so heavy that God says, I don't want you just to pray about the building of the wall. I actually want to use you 
to go and build the wall. Oh my God, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting too excited. Um, too, too many times, even on, on Facebook, I see certain posts about things that need to be done and, and it's okay for the rest of the world to, to throw rocks and throw stones and complain and, and make different means about certain things. But in all actuality, when it comes to the believers, when our hearts are actually broken with something that's going on in the world, there's one or two things that we ought to be doing. Instead of just talking about it, instead of just gossiping about it, either we need to be praying about it because God is wanting to, in, he wants to use our intercession to bring change in the earth. Or number two, he wants us to do more than just pray about it, but actually shut up and do something about it. And Nehemiah, God ain't just calling him to pray, but God is actually calling him to be an agent of change. But this is Nehemiah's dilemma. Verse number 11 again, he prays, he prays, prays about his sin, about the sin of the nation. He prays about Jerusalem and what's going on in that city. But he ends the prayer with this. He says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this, this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. If you're taking notes, jot this down. God will never allow a spiritual burden to be an excuse to mistreat or dishonor others. I want to I give you time to, to jot that down. God will never allow a spiritual burden to be an excuse to mistreat and dishonor others. Although Nehemiah has this burden to rebuild the wall, not just to pray, but actually go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, he says, I, I am a cupbearer to the king. I got a job. I have a responsibility. I got a burden to do work for the Lord, but, but I can't just disrespect the king. I just can't disrespect people in my, run, run over people, trip over people in the name of the burden that God has placed on my heart. The devil is absolutely a liar. And, and it, it reminded me years ago, and this is what the enemy is trying to set some of you guys up for. In Galatians chapter number 6, verses number 7, the Bible declares, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, but whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also, that shall he also reap. And that's what the enemy is trying to do in some of you guys' life. I'm talking about right now. God has placed a burden on your heart. There's something that he's, he's rested heavily on your heart. And you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying, but you realize that I'm supposed to do more than pray. I'm actually supposed to do something about the burden that's upon my heart. There's some conversations that you need to have. That's what God spoke to me today to tell some of you guys. There are some conversations that you need to have with people that are connected with your responsibilities, people that are connected with the burden. I remember years ago, man, um, uh, in 2005, um, after, after Hurricane Katrina had come through, uh, there, there was such a burden that I had for my city, Gulfport. And, and a couple of months later, I had to shoot to, to, to Dallas um, for a meeting. And while I was there, I remember in the hotel reading my Bible. And I went to Genesis chapter number 12, verses number 1. And, and I want to read it to you. The scripture teaches in Genesis 12 and 1, God speaks to Abraham and he says, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. I have that statement highlighted from thy father's house is because when I was laying in my hotel in Dallas and I read that something unctioned in my spirit. And I remember to this day exactly what I said. I closed my Bible and I said, the devil is a liar. That's what I did. And the reason I said that because I knew what God was challenging me to do just from that scripture right there. The, the, the moment I read from thy father's house. I felt this, bam, this burden fall on my heart. 
and God started talking to me and what he was challenging me to do, I already had a burden for my city because I saw, I saw so many things out of order naturally as well as spiritually and I wanted to be an asset to my community, to my hometown. So I had been praying, but now God had rested a heavier burden on my heart that he wanted me to do more than pray, but he actually wanted me to launch ministry to be a solution to some of the problems that were going on, to some of the problems that I was already praying about. But, but here's my dilemma, and I don't think I've ever really shared this, but here's my dilemma. At that particular time, I was faithfully serving a man of God in Hattiesburg, and, and this, this was the issue. I used to say this all the time. I'd rather be a great number two than a sorry number one. I never wanted to leave my pastor. I never wanted to leave my man of God. I was committed to him. And then on top of that, I had seen so many people that, that literally broke his heart because they made all of these lofty promises, and then they wound up leaving, leaving him. I didn't want to be that guy. So when, when, when the Holy Spirit, and it was, it was the Holy Spirit that rested this upon my heart, to leave thy father's house, I shut the book and I said, no, the devil is a liar. Well, it was about two months later, God wouldn't let me escape the burden. Although I had good intentions, although I had, my heart was right concerning my leadership, I'd, God wouldn't let the burden just lift. About two months later, I was laying on my lounge, and I was just, as I was laying there, I heard the Holy Spirit say, empowerment ministries. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was so loud in my head, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't forget it. And so I had to have some conversations. And God told me to tell you today that there are some of you guys that need to have some conversations because there are some burdens that God has placed on your heart, and he wants you to do more than just pray. He literally wants you to act out on the burden that he's placed in your heart, but you acting out affects other relationships around you. The first person I had to have a conversation with was my very wife, because watch this. I, I know what it's like, and again, I'm getting ready to tell you a success story here, but, but I know what it's like on the, on the other side to have something on your heart and, and your wife not be in agreement because she don't understand what's going on. And the reason she don't understand is because I haven't effectively communicated it to her. I'm just running and almost leaving my wife about to wreck my marriage in the name of a burden. I had to sit down with my wife and explain to her what was going on with my, in my heart so we can get on the same page. After talking to my, my, my wife, because he understand, when God first spoke it to me, I was, it was easy to dismiss it. I mean, I prayed for my city. I prayed for, 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 for me potentially being a pastor, potentially starting a church. But it was easy to dismiss it because God just, he just planted the thought on my heart. Well, now the second time he spoke, it just wasn't a thought. He gave me plans. This is the name of your church. He started talking to me about stuff that I ought to start doing like right now. And so I had to, I had to make an appointment with my pastor, with my man of God, to let him know what was going on in my heart because this thing was burdening me. I honored him. Again, again, I, I want to I give you this. This is what God gave me, man. God will never allow a spiritual burden to be an excuse to mistreat or dishonor others. Although it was a burden on my heart to plan a work here in Gulfport, it was not God's will for me to leave my wife nor to disrespect my pastor because of the burden. I need somebody to hear me in this place. So I went to my man of God and I explained to him very, very humbly. Matter of fact, I explained to him in tears because I loved him so much, still love him to this very day. And this is what we, conclu this is what we concluded at this particular meeting. He said to me, give me one more year. Give, give me one more year. And after one more year, I'll release you. you. You know what I did? You know what I did? I took my little plans. I took my little portfolio and I closed it up and I tucked it away. This is why I did that. 
it wasn't about disobeying God. And, and so that's what some of you guys would say. You, you, well, you, you missing God, but listening to your man of God. No, I honored my man of God. And watch this. For the past nine years of my life, God had spoken through my man of God and through his voice, not, not him, but through his voice, God would speak through him to give me clarity and direction in my life. Oftentimes, it wasn't even a prophetic word. It wasn't counsel. Sometimes as I'm sitting just listening to him preach and teach, there would be things that God would say through him directly to me that would clarify things in my life. So for the past nine years of my life, I've heard him give me direction, encourage me, strengthen me. Why, why should I try to kick against that counsel and that wisdom now? He says, put it away for a year and I'll release you. And so I did just that. A month later, he calls me back, and he says, God told me to release you now. Don't wait a year. God told me to release you right now. Again, just because you have a burden, God will never allow a spiritual burden to be an excuse to mistreat and dishonor. And that I'm telling you, that's where some of you guys, I feel this thing in the spirit realm. God wouldn't give me this word just to be giving it to me. That's where some of you guys are right now. There's some things that you have heavy in your heart. For some of you guys, it's a business idea that God planted in your heart. For some of you guys, it's a ministry opportunity that God had rest, has rested upon your heart. There are all types of ideas and burdens that he's placed there. And the temptation, watch the wisdom, the temptation is, is to drag people along, to drag them along. Watch this, mistreating dishonoring them just so that you can fulfill what it is that God has placed on your heart. Don't do it, my friend. Again, Galatians chapter number 6, verses number 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Let me tell you what the devil was trying to do. I had faithfully serving, served my pastor for nine years. That's not just my testimony. But that's his testimony. I've heard him say it many times to this very day. My son that faithfully served me for nine years. What the enemy was trying to do was at the end of my tenure, he was trying to get me to sow bad seeds in his ministry. And if I would have sowed bad seeds in his ministry, I would have reaped it eventually in Empowerment Ministries Christian Center. The devil is absolutely a liar. I chose not to do it. I honored my man of God. As soon as God started giving me plans, I went to my man of God and I told him, and this is what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah, he hears, the, he hears what's going on in Jerusalem. His heart is broken. He prays and he says, God, give me favor with this man, the king. Because I just can't leave my post. I just can't leave my, my, my duties, my responsibilities. Give me, give me favor. Give me favor. Because if he would have just left, maybe he would have went ahead and been successful in building the walls. But what inner turmoil would he have faced because of some harvest he would have reaped because of the negative seeds that he sowed in his previous? The devil is absolutely a liar. I was talking with somebody just the other day um, about a job opportunity. And I asked them what they do, and they said, oh, I, I, I quit that job. I said, really? Okay. And I said, well, wh how did you quit? Oh, I just, I just didn't come in. I mean, what do, you, what do you mean? You mean you just didn't come in? Well, I'm ready to start my own business. I understand you're ready to start your own business, but how are you just going to leave your job, not at least give a customary two-week notice, let them know what's going on with you, you just don't show up? They fail to realize what you just sold in that business, you're literally getting ready to reap in your own entrepreneurial endeavor because just like you demonstrated you were unreliable there 
you'll reap that. Hmm. You'll reap that. Some of y'all are like, man, this, I'm, I'm done, I'm done. Some of y'all are like, man, this ain't the message I wanted to hear. <laughs> yes, in the middle of a pande- pandemic, this is the message, my friend, that you need to hear because watch this. Even in the midst of what's going on right now, God, number one, is still moving. Number two, this will be over at some point, and God will continue to move us forward as a people. But we got to be careful the seeds that we sow now. So let me talk to the brother. Let me talk to the sister just for a moment that says, Pastor McGee, that's me. I'm already there. I'm already there. I, I left my wife. I left my kids. I've forsaken my husband. I've forsaken my boss. I wasn't faithful in my last responsibility. I wasn't uh, uh, faithful in my last ministry responsibilities. What you warning me against, I've already done. Yeah. So two things that you need to do. God, God, God taught me this years ago. Two things you need to do. When you're in the middle of a bad harvest because of seeds that you've sown, sow good seeds in the bad harvest. <laughs> yeah. If, if, you, if you're currently reaping a harvest now, a negative harvest because of some seeds that you sowed there, Go ahead and start planting good seeds right now so that when this harvest is over, this harvest of negativity, you can enter into a new harvest, a blessing. So, okay, Pastor McGee, what's the seeds that you need to sow? What what do I need to do? Well, I just need to be a better person. I need to be a good person. No, let let me tell you because I I told you a good story, but I also have countless not-so-good stories where God placed a burden on my heart and I was totally disrespectful yeah totally out of order I, I despised covenant relationships because of the burden that was on my heart and I wind up sowing some bad seeds and guess what I literally reaped the harvest later on so this is what I had to do what was the first seed that I had to sow an apology and there's some of you guys right now you need to apologize yeah yeah that that's exactly that's exactly what God told me. Stewing on this message, I knew what I was going to preach. Um, I, I knew I was going to preach about Nehemiah, uh, I guess a week and a half ago. Um, I thought it was just going to be about a prayer burden. A week, uh, maybe about five or six days ago, I saw the twist in the message. So it's not just about a prayer burden. It's about carrying out a prayer burden. And then a few days, a day after that, it twisted again. So it's not just about a prayer burden. It's not just about carrying out a prayer burden. But it's about honoring those around you as you are about to act out on that burden. You still got to honor people. And so just last night, I'm still tripping. I say, God, okay, I, I understand what you're saying. But what is the response of the people that have already fallen here? The response is, you need to apologize. And I want to help you with an apology. Great book by Gary Chapman, uh, The Five Love Language of a five love languages of an apology. Uh, some of you guys have read or maybe even heard about uh, the five love languages that he, uh, his, his very, his popular bestseller. Uh, but he wrote another book called The Five Love Languages of an Apology. And I want to highlight five components that he talks about concerning a, an apology. Number one, he says, confess your sins. Confess what you did wrong. And for some of us, this it's difficult because we're looking at what people have done so so the guy that you you need to apologize to he was 30 percent wrong 40 percent wrong and you saying i'll apologize about my 60 about my 70 percent if he'll confess his 30 percent no it may or may not happen the brother that needs to apologize to you he may never apologize he may never confront you about what he did he may never even admit it believe me i've been there i've been there 
I've gone to somebody who had done something just wrong against me and I, I gave them an opportunity to confess and to get it right. I said, I remember when you did this and, and how it felt, so forth and so on. And I've had a brother look at me in my eye and say, I don't remember ever doing that. <laughs> and I remember going to all the other guys that was around the table when, when they said what they said and did what they did. And, and I just asked casually. I wasn't trying to stir up mess. I just asked, do you remember so-and-so saying? And all the guys that was around the table said, yeah, he said that, he said that. And I'm scratching my head. How is it that you came? <laughs> I've been there. But you know what? I went anyway to confess my wrong because at this point, it ain't even about you and I, but it is about peace that I need on the inside. So although you might have been 30% wrong, I'm not going to wait on your 30 to get my 70 right. Confess what I did wrong. Another reason, in, another reason it's important for you to confess what you did wrong because if you really going to apologize, then I, I need to know exactly what you're apologizing for because some people apologize really because they got caught not because they're actually sorry for what they have done. So that goes on to the next thing. Once you confess your sin, actually admit that it was wrong. You admit that it was wrong. Don't try to cover up. Don't try to, and again, I've been there again. Yeah, I, I apologize for doing this, but if you wouldn't have did this, I never would have, I've done that before, and I'm dead wrong. So not only confess what I did, but admit that it was wrong. Number three, express sincere sorrow. Sincere sorrow. Does it mean you have to cry? If you feel like crying, cry, but you ain't got to cry. They got to feel it, though, because an apology is not just, a wor just words. It's emotions as well, because what you did emotionally impacted them, so they need to be able to feel the apology. Express sincere sorrow. Number four, ask for forgiveness. And then number five, and this may be the most important one, demonstrate repentance. Dem demonstrate repentance demonstrate repentance yeah enough of the, the, the people that apologize and then go back and do the same thing over again you don't need to apologize no more you need help my friend but if you're going to actually offer a sincere apology then at the end of the apology you need to change and if you know in advance that you're struggling with a particular area and you really are sorry let them know this is my demonstration of repentance. I got a problem, so I'm going to commit myself to counseling. I'm going to commit myself to be mentored or to be fathered, to be mothered, or whatever I need so I don't go back and do the same thing that I did. You need to apologize. I, again, again, in that particular scenario, I actually did it right. I did it right, but there have been times when I did it wrong, and I had to apologize to the person but not only to the person, um, I had to apologize to God. Remember when David, when he sinned, um, slept with Bathsheba, then had Uriah killed? David said in Psalms 51, it was against you, Lord, that I really sinned against. Because understand, it's impossible for you to speak against my children without you speaking against me because I'm that connected to my babies. You can't try to hurt them without hurting. The devil is absolutely a liar. And although you might not like your sister, might not like your brother, might not like whoever, God loves the person that you say you don't like. And when you do things underhanded to mistreat them, you're not just mistreating somebody you don't like, you're literally mistreating somebody's child. Come on, somebody. I remember years ago, God spoke to me and he says, your wife is my daughter. I heard God say that in my head. Your wife is my daughter. 
When I heard that, I started treating her a little bit different because she's not just somebody I'm married to. But the God I report to every day, he has a special connection with her. And how is it that I can mistreat her and still be okay with him? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So if you need to apologize to the individual, yeah, you, you should do that. But maybe you need to apologize to God as well. Confess your sins to him. Maybe you need to admit that you were wrong as well to him. Maybe you need to demonstrate repentance in some form or fashion. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that today, my friend. This is one of the things that I love about preaching. It's not like just public speaking, trying to make a connection with the audience, or trying to keep the people of God engaged. Um, it's, it's actually much deeper than that because as I am ministering, no, let's go before the ministering moment. Before I ever get here, there's stuff that God has downloaded in my head concerning where you guys are right now. So this is not something that I just kind of cooked up and said, this, this makes sense, or this would be a good little message for people. No, I'm only preaching what he gave me. And the reason he gave me this is because many of you guys are dealing with it right now. Yeah, you, sir, you, madam, you shaking your head. I see you. You shaking your head. Yeah, because you're dealing with what I'm talking about right now. So the Holy Spirit has already prepared your heart to receive what I'm talking about. So if that's you, sir, if that's you, ma'am, it's time to get it right with God today. If you've fallen away, sir, it's time to come back home. Or maybe the Holy Spirit is pulling on you for the first time. You know the story of salvation. You know the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. You, you, you know the historical events of Calvary. But maybe you've never placed your faith in him and acknowledged him as Lord. If that's not you, if that's you and, and, and you feel him pulling on you, it's time for you to do it right now. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to give you an opportunity. Father, now, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for this opportunity to minister the word of God to the people of God. Lord, only, only you, Jesus, know what's going on in the heart of a man. And I thank you for the portion of revelation that you would give to me to meet the needs of your people on today. God, there's somebody struggling because of the harvest that they're currently going through based on seeds of, of, of betrayal, based on seeds, God, of disgrace that they've sown in other people's lives. And God, not only do they have the heart to get it right with that person, to confess their sins, but God, today they want to they wanna get it right with you. So Father, I'm asking you for a special grace, Jesus. Yes, grace, God. To rest upon them, Father. Fill their hearts with peace like never before, God. From the crown of their head to the sole of their very feet, God. Fill their hearts with peace now as they confess their sins to you. In Jesus' mighty name, if that's you right there, if that's you right there, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, I admit that I have done wrong. I admit, God, my actions, my words, my thoughts have been wrong. I'm confessing and I'm not hiding. I ask you, Jesus, now to forgive me for my sins, to blot out my transgressions. Holy Spirit, fill my heart to overflowing. Change me into the person that you desire for me to be. For the individuals that I have wronged, God, help me to right my wrongs. Yeah.
Now right there, you, you, you repeated this, this cute little prayer after me, but this is what I want to do. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity right there to talk to God yourself. Come on, come on. I want to give you an opportunity there. Talk, talk to him, talk to him. Come on, come on, come on. Do it. Do it. I know we live, but I'm taking advantage of live right now. I'm looking at you, sir. I'm looking at you, ma'am. God says I'm waiting on an apology. now in the name of the Lord Jesus. I, God, I bless you for an opportunity, God, to minister to the hearts, to the minds of your people. God, today there's some daughter, there's some son that came back to you that said, I was, I was wrong for the way that I acted. God, what I felt was right, but how I acted was wrong. And I thank you, God, for an opportunity to talk to me concerning God, me being able to hear what you're saying right now is proof enough that you ain't done with me, and I thank you for it now. God, I pray for the grace, Lord, for my brother, for my sister, as they navigate, God, through these waters. I pray for reconciliation in those relationships where it can be. I pray for a special grace, even the individual that they confront, God. I'm praying that you'll go ahead and move, Lord. Move, move, move now. Move, 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 move now. I'm praying for you to do it, God. And I forever give your name the praise. I give you the honor. I give you the glory. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on and put those hands together right where you are right where you are. Thank you so much. My wife is coming. Sweetie, come and talk to us, people. Greet the people with me as we close them out. Amen. Come on and bless the Lord for Thank that you, word Jesus. on today. Amen. Amen. We're just truly excited about what God is doing for each and every one of us in the midst. Amen. If you're watching this, then that means that God has kept you yet another week and you have something to give God thanks and praise for. Amen. Amen. For those who are members of Empowerment Ministries, we'll see you today. We'll see you shortly. We'll see you shortly. Absolutely. And we're so excited just to see your face and to see all of our babies. I miss my babies. I'm telling y'all. <laughs> I miss y'all, but I miss seeing them babies. They just love on me and hug on me. And I miss all the babies. So I can't <laughs> yes, wait I to I see them. I can't wait to see them. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Don't forget that the link is going out for graduates. Don't forget if you're a mother to submit your photo. Um, I've seen some very creative collages with different ones, with the mother with different pictures and all of them together and some with their grandchildren on there. So submit your pictures for the Mother's Day presentation. Um, and we're super excited. Again, the food pantry is still open every Tuesday from 3 to 6. And we thank you for being faithful in your giving, especially during this time. We know that the enemy will try to fight your mind concerning giving during this time. But I just want to challenge you that if we believe the word of God is true and it says that he rebukes the devourer for our sake. 
then there's no time like the present for the devourer to be rebuked for your sake and off of you, your household, and off of your family. So we just ask you to obey God. Amen. There are several ways to give, and they will pop up on your computer or on your television at this time. If you would like to give by Cash App, you can give by Cash App. Money sign EMCC Gulf Coast. Uh, you can text to give. You can give on our app, empoweredthecity.org. You can go to our website. Uh, and you can go to Easy Tie. So there are several different ways for you to give. So we just ask at this time that you would pray, that you would see God, that you would first obey God concerning the 10th. And if there's a special seed that you want to sow on behalf of your family or whatever it is that you're believing God for, that you would do it at this time. Amen. Amen. Love you, sweetheart. Love you too, honey. Amen. Blessings to you. We will see you guys next time. We are a church family. We are a church family. That honors God. That honors God. In everything. In everything. We say and do. We say and do. Amen. Love you guys so much. God Blessings bless you. to you.